0: Good morning, listeners, and I hope today finds you well. My name is Wilson McCoy with the College Hills Church of Christ here in Lebanon, Tennessee, and I want to say a big thank you for listening in this morning as we are continuing a sermon series that we're calling Snapshots of Good News, looking for and living out the gospel of Jesus. We're trying to Look at passages in the Gospels that can give us perspective for our lives, but not just to give us perspective, but also to change how we live. I want to jump into our passage here in just a second, but before we read our passage for today, I want to encourage you to Check out more about our church at collegehills.org, where you can find out more information about our congregation and our gathering times, our ministries, and ways that you can get connected. We want you to know that you are always an invited guest at our church at 1401 Leeville Pike in Lebanon, Tennessee. And so if and when you have time, we would love for you to come and join us on Campus. As we are getting back to a new normal, we have a lot more going on, and so I encourage you to go to collegehills.org to find out the latest about our church there. Today, as we continue this series, we're going to be in a passage that I think is particularly important in light of our celebration of Easter Sunday last week. And so today, We're going to be looking at a passage in John chapter 11, verses 17 through 27. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them about their brother, When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Coming into the world. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for these words of life that we approach. And as we engage them, I pray that you would give me the gift of preaching and teaching, and that you would give us all the gift of open hearts, that we would hear your voice and we would be transformed by it more. Into the image of your son Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. On November 14th, 2014, there was a headline article that read the following Pronounced dead, 91 year old Polish woman awakens. When I read that back in 2014, I couldn't help but stop and read the article. And as remarkable as it sounds, on November 6th, 2014, a doctor entered the home of a lady named Janine as a part of his regular house call. The doctor found Janine and said that he found, and I quote, no basic life functions in her. He said he checked for a pulse, listened for a heartbeat, checked her breathing and pupils, but found no signs of life. He said that he was sure that the patient was dead. Two hours later, when the patient's body was laying in the morgue, in a body bag in the morgue, an undertaker entered with another body bag. It was then when he entered the room that he noticed Janine moving around in the body bag. Once he opened it, the article said, Janine complained of being cold and asked for some hot tea. Then she was taken home. A spokeswoman for the local prosecutors told the Associated Press that she had never heard of such a case and that the prosecutors are investigating whether the patient's life and health were endangered by the inaccurate death diagnosis. They are also urging a regional court to void her death certificate. The lawyer said in the article, In a legal sense, the woman is dead, but in reality, she's clearly alive. In a legal sense, the woman is dead, but in reality, she's clearly alive. And if you want to fact check me, you can go back to November 6, 2014, and I promise you will find this strange story there. The woman is dead, but in reality, she is clearly alive. It was that last quote of the article that really caught my attention. Because though it may seem like a basic point, it's an important one. This lawyer was revealing something true about her case and her world that we, sh- we too should pay attention to because it's also true of our world. Each and every day, we all walk around with assumptions and definitions about what it means to be dead and what it means to be alive. And depending upon the world in which we are operating will determine how those definitions play out in our everyday life. Depending on the world in which we are operating will determine how those definitions play out in our everyday life. For the lawyer, when she is operating in that legal world, death and life are determined by a legal document. Birth certificate or a death certificate. She admits that world exists, but the second half of her quote reveals that other worlds and definitions of life and death are possible. And we all know this to be true, right? Depending on the world we're operating in determines how we define life and death. And so if we're in the world of sports and we say something like, well, we just died at the end of that game, or we came to life at the end of that game, then we know what we mean. Life and death mean something specific in that world of sports that's different than the legal world. Or if we're in the world of work and we say something like, by the end of the week, I was just dead. In that world, those words mean something very particular. We know that each of these small phrases says a lot about the world in which we are living. Depending on the world we are operating in determines how we define death and life. I think it would be fair to say that one of the things that John is doing in our text today is inviting us into a different kind of world, and he's asking us to reconsider our definitions of death In life, it's a world that when we first enter into it, it may be a bit difficult to enter because everywhere we look, there is a certain definition of death lingering in the air and it is impacting everyone. It's a definition that impacts Lazarus. From the very first verse of this passage, we are told that a certain man named Lazarus is ill. He's sick, and the very fact his sisters write Jesus to tell him to come indicates how severe this illness really is. And before the opening scene of this story ends, Lazarus becomes defined by a certain definition of death. It's the definition that also impacts the disciples, They stand alongside Jesus in this story, and when they realize that he wants to go to Judea, they advise against it. Why? Because the last time they were there, Jesus was almost killed. And even when Jesus explains why he's going back, and the disciples do decide to go with him, Thomas's expression tells us so much. He says, let us go also so that we may die with him. It reveals that Thomas is operating by a certain definition of death. And it's a definition of death that also impacts Mary and Martha. Even though they are not the ones who die in the story, they reveal a difficult truth that we all know. Death has a ripple effect on our lives. When we lose someone we care about, then we begin to question everything, even Jesus sometimes. And each of them separately stings Jesus with the accusation, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would surely not have died. In their tears, in their grief, in their mourning, they feel the darkness of a particular definition of death heavy on their hearts. A certain definition of death is everywhere in this world of John that we step in today. And if you're like me, then the temptation is just to skip past these characters and skip over the death that saturates this moment. In the summer of 2008, I served as a hospital chaplain at MD Anderson Medical Center in Houston, Texas. And for 10 weeks, I was the chaplain for any patients who identified with Churches of Christ. It was my job to visit those individuals, to sit with those individuals, and to pray with those individuals. In reality, I was more of a chaplain for nine weeks that summer because the first week I didn't do much visiting. I was supposed to every afternoon, but on that very first day when I was sent out, the first day I entered into that huge hospital and had to faced the ache of death in a way I never had, I simply froze. I didn't want to go into any of the rooms, and so instead I took a left out of my office and headed straight for the chapel to pray. And while there, I found this refuge of peace and calm and no sign of death, and so what did I do? I stayed right there. did that on Monday and Tuesday, and I would have done that the whole week, except I knew I had to give a report on my visits by the end of the week, and so I finally went to visit a room. In a lot of ways, my experience that summer reveals how we often deal with death. We remove and seclude ourselves until we're forced to look it in the face. An author by the name of Richard Beck talks about this death anxiety in our world and some of the influences that impact our resistance to death. One of the most intriguing examples that he describes is the rise of modern medicine and how issues of sickness and death were, over time, moved from the home to the hospital. Moreover, the parlor of the home, which was typically where a funeral viewing was held, slowly changed in function as funerals became a specialized industry. And in order to emphasize that the parlor was no longer associated with death, these rooms were now called living rooms. Living rooms, that mere title, are one example of the way we've increasingly resisted death in our world. And so this world John calls us into today, As we stand alongside Lazarus, the disciples, Mary, and Martha, it may be difficult for us to enter because there's a certain definition of death operating and it is impacting everyone in the story, including us. But in this world, there's another character, Jesus himself. And he has a very different take on both death and life. He gives a different definition to both. Now, it should be noted that Jesus does not avoid the old definitions of death and life. Jesus engages every single person who is impacted by tragedy of death in this story. To Mary and Martha, Jesus engages both of them in conversation. He doesn't avoid them. He weeps alongside of each of them. He does not gloss over their pain. To the disciples, Jesus engages them in conversation as well. He doesn't avoid them. He engages them even in their misunderstanding of what death means. He doesn't scold them. And to Lazarus, he engages him in a way that is revolutionary and world-changing. He goes to his place of burial and he calls him out of his tomb and gives him new life. And in that moment, Jesus is not just doing a cool trick or a random miracle, but He is doing something much greater and more massive. He is introducing Lazarus, the disciples, Mary, and Martha to a new world and a different definition of what it means to be dead and alive. Because for each and every person in the story up to that point, they operated in a world where life and death was simply boiled down to a matter of a pulse. If you had a pulse, you were alive. And if you didn't, then you were dead. That was their world. But Jesus opens up a new world and a new definition. Jesus is letting them know what it means to be dead or alive is changing. For Jesus and his world, he knows that to be dead or alive is not just a matter of a pulse, but also a matter of a person. Just a few verses earlier, Jesus is trying to reveal this truth to Martha. When he first arrives in Bethany, she's the first to meet him. She confronts him, in fact, and in this exchange between Jesus and Martha, he begins to reveal to her this new world he offers, even though she has trouble grasping it. You see, Martha is crushed. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Yet Martha still has hope. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. And even when Jesus begins to show her this new world, your brother will rise again. Martha still interprets what Jesus says based upon her old world and her old definitions of death and life. I know my brother will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. You see, the majority of Jews in that day believed there would be a resurrection, but that it would be in the future. So Martha's response reveals how she heard Jesus. But she heard him through old categories and definitions on what it meant to be dead and alive. And yet even in that misunderstanding, Jesus still invites her into this new world. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me Will never die. In this revolutionary moment, Jesus redefines Martha's categories. Jesus invites her into a world where the categories of life and death are not simply defined by a pulse, but also by a person. It's a world that redefines how we look at the future because we are in relationship with Jesus. Even though we will stop breathing one day, that does not mean we will stop living. And it's a world that redefines how we look at our present. Because we are in relationship with Jesus, that means we can experience eternal life now. Who Jesus is and a person's relationship with him redefines how we view death and life. And that's why Jesus poses that next question to Martha. And it's a question posed to us. Do you believe this? Do you believe this about Jesus? Do you want to enter into this new world? Many years ago, there was a preacher that I heard named Randy Harris who came and preached some lessons on the gospel of John at the church where I serve. And in one of those lessons, he made the point that in John's gospel, the word for belief is a verb. It's not a noun. And so a better translation in the gospel of John would be believe-ing-ing or faith-ing because For John, belief always implies action. That faith for John is not this static concept, but it's a dynamic concept. That faith is not a passive concept, but faith is an active concept. Belief in the gospel of John is never just about saying some things with our mouths, Belief in the Gospel of John is never just about putting some things in our hearts and minds. Belief in the Gospel of John is always about a life lived, living in light of the truth we proclaim. And so, for our passage this morning, this is an important aspect to remember. The one who says they believe in Jesus is the one who lives in relationship with Jesus. We don't treat Jesus as a line item on our resume. We don't treat Jesus as a bumper sticker on our car that we can put on and take off as we want. Instead, we live in steady relationship with Jesus The one who says they believe in Jesus is the resurrection is the one who lives without fear of death. When you say you believe that Jesus is the resurrection, you don't have to live with fear of death. So we don't avoid death. We don't gloss over death like it doesn't matter. Instead, we live in hope and even after a pulse stops, because we know death is defeated in Jesus. The one who says they believe Jesus is the life is the one who lives the eternal life now. We don't treat life as though it's a distant thing that will get one day far away. We don't talk about eternal life as though it will be something we get later. We don't treat eternal life as though it is a quality of life, but a quality of life. Excuse me. We don't treat eternal life as though it is a quantity of life, but a quality of life. We live the eternal life now because we live in relationship with the eternal one now. And this is what Jesus invites us into today, into a relationship with Him that not only transforms our future, but also transforms our present. Do you believe this? Do you want to enter this new world? Martha shows us that belief is never an easy process. It can be difficult into trusting this new world of Jesus. Because even though she responds to Jesus in the moment, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. Even though she says it, even though she proclaims it, even though it seems like she is entering into this new world with all of its new definitions for life and death, Just a few scenes later, it will be that same Martha who resists the invitation of Jesus. She resists his command to roll the stone away from the tomb of Lazarus because of her fear of the smell of death. Lord, already there is a stench because he's been here dead for days. In the midst of the one who has the power to redefine her categories of life and death, all she can think about is being in the midst of the smell of death. She is invited to enter into this new world, these new definitions of life and death, but it takes time to release those old definitions of death and life. And what may be most remarkable about our story today, about Jesus, is that even though he's in the midst of death and in the midst of people who are operating by all of these old categories, he still raises Lazarus. He still initiates that new world where death And life are now defined by Him and Him alone. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Even though He's in the midst of people struggling to move from an old world with all of its old definitions of what it means to be dead and alive, even though He is inviting them into this new world and they are struggling to move into this new world of faithing in Jesus, of trusting in Jesus, of living according to these new definitions. Jesus doesn't wait for them to have it all together to initiate resurrection. He doesn't wait for them to have it all figured out before He decides to raise Lazarus from the dead. And it will be just a little bit after this where His disciples still won't fully have it all together. And yet, by the power of God, Jesus is still raised from the dead. And with the resurrected Lord standing in our midst, That invitation that he offers to Martha is still the invitation he offers to us. He invites us today to enter into relationship with him and to have all of our categories redefined by him. And he still asks us the question, Do you believe this? Do you believe this about Jesus? Do you want to enter this new world? Amen.